<laughs> All right, let's read this together. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So last week, Jana taught on the parable of the sower. And if you're like me, sometimes you hear teaching on something that you've heard and you think, am I possibly going to get anything different out of this? And sure enough, you, you do, right? A lot of times. I mean, maybe sometimes you don't. But I felt like what Jana taught last week was significant for us as a body. And if you missed last week, like I hate that, like go back and listen to the teaching or all this other stuff that we've heard in different places. But she put it on the podcast. If I would encourage you to go back and look at it. So one of the things I took away from this that was so different was my ability to impact how soft my soil is. Like the word is being planted in me, but guess what? In that soil, weeds get planted too. And some of these weeds keep popping up. And sometimes weeds keep popping up because I haven't pulled out the root. And Jana talked about the, the ability through brokenness uh, to, soften, to soften our soil, to bring a hungry heart or a humble heart in front of God, and then to actually be thoughtful enough to go back and go, what are the things that keep popping up? What are the things I thought I pulled up that just keep reoccurring? So if your Christian life sucks right now, who's responsible? If you, look, if you look in here and you see a life in the New Testament full of love and joy and peace and connection and fulfillment and some sacrifice and some obedience, those things kind of all go together. And if you're experiencing a life that basically sucks, but you believe in a God who does the impossible, who has unlimited resource, who everything in heaven and earth is his, and he said, like, all I want you to do is have a complete change of mind about how you're thinking about your life and recognize that there's a radically and completely different kingdom available to you, a present rule of God in our lives that's available right now. If you're believing Jesus and your life sucks, there's a part of being able to come back and go, I don't know what's different, but I want what you have and I want who you are and I'm tired of playing games and I will follow Come hell or high water, I will pursue you. Come hell or high water, I have nothing else to do on this life but pursue you full out and look for love and connection and meaning in my life because of my alignment with you. And if I'm way over here and I'm desperate and anxious and bored and lonely and whatever else, it's like I have a choice. I have two friends. I have two friends and... uh, I'm going to call them Abraham and Zach because they're Abraham and Zach. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. I met both of these guys about the same time. Um, These are actual people and not some invented thing that I meant to make a good object lesson. So um, Arnold, uh, they're, they're at a similar state where there are some fully refined coping skills that they both had managed to perfect in 30 plus years of living on this planet. 
And so they had figured out how to live, both of them, in a world of denial of obvious facts about their life, a delusional reality that are built on those facts, and a life of blame, it's other people's fault, which is stolen from Carl Alasco's emotional bullshit, denial, delusion, blame. These are a toxic trio that people run their life, denying obvious facts, creating a delusional reality around it, and blaming other people. So I began interacting with both of these guys because I myself am guilty of denial and delusion and blame, and I myself am guilty of coping and have a long history of it with pornography and other stuff that I've talked to you guys about and the Lord's brought freedom and that's really cool. But I still like, I cope with food. I cope with alcohol. I find all these different ways to go like, ah, gosh, I don't feel okay. What can make me feel okay? Yeah, I could turn to you, Jesus, and I could turn to worship and all the rest of it. But man, I just need something tangible and real. And right now it's going to make me feel better. And so both of my friends were trying to make a world where, you know, for women, it's, something different because I'm not a woman and I'm not inside your heads, but for a man, it can end up being, gosh, it's on me to provide. Gosh, it's on me to take care of this stuff. Everybody expects so much from me and nobody knows how hard it is and how I've got really possibly the hardest job in all mankind or no job in all mankind. And my gosh, what am I going to do? Or all these different things that that people create these structures that we build in our heads to think nobody can really understand how difficult it is. So Arnold, in the middle of this, kept getting near Jesus and going, oh, there's something to it. And, and oh, gosh, I'm in worship and I feel really great. And then he'd just set it aside and he'd go live his life and he'd just continue on. And my friend whose name starts with an A uh, just got a DWI. Um, might lose his job. His marriage is on the brinks. It has been for forever. His kids are like WTF. And, and he and I were on the phone the other day and he's like, I just don't understand why. I just don't understand why. I mean, why I've had this great life and I blow it up. Like go listen to John Mayer's gravity. You're not alone, but he's asking why. And I stop and I'm like, Hey, you know what? A better question right now might be, if you're asking yourself over and over and over, why? Why don't I have a fulfilled life in Christ? Why do I keep doing the same stupid stuff? Shift the question and change the question to how. So what I mean by that is, instead of asking, why do I keep doing this? Why am I such a screw up? Why can't I follow Jesus like I want to? Ask instead, how do I keep doing this? How do I screw up? How can I follow Jesus like I want to? Because asking a question, how, why is a loop, right? You ask yourself why, and you can go round and round, and you can suck your friends into it, and everybody's like, oh, man, I have such empathy for what you're dealing with. I'm so sorry. Why? I don't know why. Let's ask God why. And you just go around and around and around and around. And guess what? There's sometimes where looking critically like moving into self-awareness and going, please critically show me how I'm doing it. Because how the guy's doing it that just got a DWI is he's built an infrastructure around addiction. Like he will go to a gas station, he'll withdraw cash, he'll buy water and other stuff, but he's built a mechanism to go like, 
it's an easy path for me to, to grab alcohol. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like you, you have to look at part of the ways that I got free was I had to look at all the triggers and all the ritual and what was happening in my life to actually get me to where I could act out, to where I could cope. So asking how begins to dismantle that. So my other friend, my other friend was so completely checked out. I want to tell you where I met him, but then that would give it away. And I love this dude, and I'm so proud of him. I called him this morning on the way here. Like, I just, I have watched this guy be completely checked out. Like, the sort of distance in his eyes where you're like, are you there? Like, I've seen that. And I watched this guy go through the turmoil of drug and alcohol addiction and trying to walk away from it and begin going, there's something to this story about Jesus. There's something to this life in God and my life is a shambles and I can choose. And many around us began pouring into this guy, but he grabbed a hold of it. He's like, I want a different life. I want to make my marriage work. I'm not even working right now, but I need a real job and not just this other stuff that I'm doing. And he's gone. Sometimes it feels like one step forward and two steps back, but he's kept marching along and he's kept moving toward it because he's been humble enough to go like, God, I I can't do this. And he's been hungry. He's been after the Lord. Um, So there's a place where when you're thinking about these roots that need to be pulled up and the way they keep appearing in your life, it's like you can do something about it. You don't have to live. You don't have to stay stuck. It doesn't matter how hopeless, hard, impossible a situation seems you are, you are full of Holy Spirit and, and nothing is impossible for the Lord. There's nothing in your life in the current circumstances that exist that are too much for the Lord or too hard for the Lord. And you can, you can drift and go, I'm just going to hang out here, um, but it will still be on you. So if you're okay with that, that's okay. Like, I just think I wouldn't want to bother with Christianity and with some of the, some of the junk that I might feel about it if I wasn't going to get all of it. Yeah. Like, why would I not take this life to the full that Jesus has promised instead of sitting there and just being tortured by an enemy that has come to lie and cheat and steal and destroy and harm me because I've identified myself with God? Like, if you enter a Christian life, And you go, I'm not interested in the abundant life. I'm interested in just sort of like a heavenly 401k and I know where I'll go when I get out of here. Then meanwhile, all you're doing is saying, I've aligned with God. So you've just said, I'm going to open my life up to attack and hardship and pain because the enemy hates you for aligning with God. Like sometimes you wonder like, gosh, why could life be so hard? And maybe some of it is because I'm a dumbass and I did that. Right. But a lot of it is also I'm. I'm, I've aligned myself with God, and so I'm opposed. So if you don't take the fruit of life in God, you're taking the opposition. So, like, you would be better to, uh, I don't even know how to do it. Like, you'd be better abandon Christianity and find a different religion or find a different philosophy or life practice or go new age or whatever else. But it's like either, either come into Christianity and go all in or, or bail on it and find a different way to find meaning in your life. So 
like you, you can't take it in part. Um, <sighs> all right, so how did these guys do this? Um, one was abandoning denial, delusion, and blame. And the other was to begin pursuing uh, like this life that was humble and hungry and active. And the difference was their level of honesty with themselves and the people around them and their willingness to connect. Because the person whose name starts with A is still struggling with honesty and still struggling, struggling to find connection. And the person, Zach, that I've mentioned, completely went all out for honesty. Went, my life is an open book. This is what I'm wrestling with. And dug into connection and pursued community. And so you can try to do this as a solo sport. You can think that you can do this on, a, on, your, on your own. But it will take honesty and it will take pulling people in so that you can see your blind spots. Uh, I may have to break this up into two weeks. Let's see. So a couple of helpful thoughts. So when, when the rich young ruler walks up to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to find eternal life? And Jesus describes inter- eternal life in John 17. Don't turn there. But he talks about knowing, knowing God right now. That's, that's eternal life. That it's already begun for you, right? If you're following Jesus, you're already in eternal life. So this rich young ruler comes up and asks, you know, I've done this. I've done this. I've done that. You know, he names all these different things. Does Jesus say, go seek out your father wound and then come back and follow me? Right Or to the woman caught in adultery. Jesus doesn't go back, go back and say, gosh, you know, um, he doesn't say, you know, I think it's really time for us to dig in and explore why you keep attracting these kinds of men. Right? Jesus instead affirms that she's powerful and that she's valuable. So... There are, there are places where we make the Christian life so hard, and I'm not being anti-psychology here, although it's going to sure sound like it. There are ways that you might be digging in to find the root of what ails you. And maybe there's something to that. There's something to insecurity. There's something to lack of love. There's something to selfishness that are at the root of most of the things that we wrestle with. But what Jesus and what the New Testament writers say instead is, Put this stuff off of your life and put this stuff on your life. So you can go back and look at these in Colossians 3, starting in probably verse 4 to about 20-ish, somewhere in there. Or you can look at Ephesians 4.22 and to about 24. We'll look these scriptures up maybe next week. But, But part of this is I don't necessarily need to find a root as much as I need to start saying, I'm going to follow the king and his kingdom and I'm going to do these things and I'm not going to do those things. And I'm going to look for spots where I've made agreement. Uh, John Eldridge, in talking about agreements, will say, by agreements, I mean those subtle convictions we come to, assent to, give way to, or are raised to assume are true. It happens down deep in our souls where our real beliefs about life are formed. Something or someone whispers to us, Life is never going to turn out the way you'd hoped or nobody's going to come through or God has forsaken you. And something in us responds, that's true. We make an agreement with it and a conviction is formed. So there are places where we have made alliance with ideas that aren't true about, that aren't true about God. Like, it's all on me. I got to do this myself. Nobody's going to take care of me. God's not going to come through. 
those, those agreements rattle through our head and they, they, they create a framework where we try to live a life apart from God, although we say that we're in Christ. So the weeds that we're looking to pull up, we, we need to go back and ask Jesus, what agreements exist for me? Ask Jesus to increase awareness. This can be a really hard one, and this can be a place where you get stopped. So one of the things that you can do in this arena is being able to have somebody in close enough to you. Like I asked a friend of mine uh, after a small group in January. I taught on awareness in the guys group, and coming out of that, in that discussion, and I forget her name. I'd listened to a woman on Harvard uh, Business Review's podcast, and she's phenomenal, but not phenomenal enough for me to have remembered her name. Um, but she said about 90% of us think that we're self-aware and about 15% of us actually function in awareness, which means the great likelihood is that you're in this unaware or that I'm in this unaware category. And she said, one of the things that you can do to increase awareness is find a trusted friend and ask them what annoys you the most. You know, what's the most annoying thing about my life? And so my friend, I will tell you his name, Todd, my friend Todd, in this case, that's his real name. um, He and I were walking out of here on a Friday morning and he, he like hollers at me on our way to the car. He's like, Hey, let's do that real quick. And uh, so I went, okay. And so uh, I, I went first and I gave him his. And then he said to me, he's like, you know, sometimes um, I just need you to listen to me without feeling like you got to give me an answer or you need to fix what I'm talking to you about. As I was like, ooh, wow, I do that. And, and so that was January this year and I see it all over the place. And I catch myself in the middle of it going, I just need to listen. I don't need to fix I don't need to fix this situation. It's not on me to fix as much as it is on me to love and listen. So if you are wondering, like part of it, you could probably jot down, like maybe Laura talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The, the, you, could, you could create a list of these are the lies or these are the attacks or these are the roots that I see. You could draft a list, but, but there's a part where am I willing to do the work? I can, I can ask God about it. So some of that work might look like asking Jesus, Jesus, increase my awareness. Show me where the roots are. And then being able to write those out and then understand that the exact opposite is the truth of your identity in God. One of mine would be, God, I feel like such a poser. Um, I'm in my work and people are going to find out that I don't nearly know what I need to know to do this job. And that um, I'm self-interested and I'm after my own end because I happen to be in sales. And this is really just about my production. But the truth of it is, is... I'm actually pretty good at what I do. I care deeply about the people I work with. I care deeply about my customers and my heart is to serve people. But I can, I can, I can believe a lie that the enemy is throwing at me and I can even make agreement with it and give power to that lie. Or I can see the lie for what it is and every time it rears its head, speak against it and go, the truth of it is, is that I am, I am called to love my customers and I am called to serve and God provides for me through it. But every deal I've ever written, every piece of business I've ever booked has completely been the Lord. And if you, you know, like I could show you the track of a sales career that you're like, 
how are you where you are? You know, because it's completely the Lord and I see that. So um, let's stop here. So Jesus, we, uh, we come before you right now just knowing that your way is really best and you're the smartest person that ever lived. And Jesus, right now, would you speak to each of us and show us, show us, God, what lies am I believing or what agreements am I believing that, uh, that are counter to your way and your will for me? All right, let's, uh, let's ask him this. Well, first, let's tell him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've just shown me. Thank you for what you've just spoken to us. Just a confirmation of the way we belong to you is the way that we hear from you, and we're thankful for that. So, Jesus, I just ask you right now, what would you have me do with what you've shown me? What's the next right thing? What's the next action for me to take? You probably today, probably a bunch of what you just got is incredibly personal and we could really make you feel awkward and put this all out here right now. So among mine are, uh, I'm believing it's on me to provide. I'm believing that there's never enough time to do what needs to be done. And uh, I felt like he had just told me walk in simple obedience. Um, thank me for the time I do give you and do the next right thing. So uh, Dallas Willard, who's passed away, who is a guy that I have really been impacted by, said part of the challenge, part of the challenge of being a disciple, part of the challenge of being an apprentice and following Jesus is to transform right answers into automatic responses to real life situations. The goal of discipleship being to transform right answers into automatic responses to real life situations. So how, like to end with this, you can think all day long about, I ought to do this, I ought to do that, blah, 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 it doesn't matter. Or you can take, you can take a verse like, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that we're reading, that we're memorizing, and say, gosh, because, because it's on my mind and I'm thinking about it, I don't need to be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Instead, I can be saturated in prayer throughout my day, offering faith-filled requests before God with gratitude. So when I catch myself being pulled in different directions, I can go, oh, I'm doing it right now. So instead, I can give thanks to God for this and I can live in gratitude and I can put this before him. So it might just be, God, right now, I just, I'm doing it again. I, I feel myself being pulled in different directions, Lord. So will you help me right now? I just, I just give this back to you. I want to saturate my life in prayer with a faith-filled request before you. And I just trust that this is who you are and how you're moving in my life. So show me what's next here. Show me what the truth is here. It's like being able to come back to the Lord and go, I'm going to do it. 
Like, you don't need to read through your Bible in a year. There's not going to be a medal that's going to be worth a thing. But if you can take one verse a month or one verse a year and actually work that into the fabric of who you are and how you live, where you can take what you know and actually activate it in your life. Like, another great one might be the 1 Corinthians 13. Like, uh, right now I'm brewing on this one. Like, 13 verses 4 through 6-ish, somewhere in there maybe. But it just says, love is patient, love is kind. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And I'm like, I'm sitting with Janet before she goes out of town, right? And we just keep bumping into each other. I'm like, it's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not keeping a record of wrongs. Because, like, she's going to this two-week incredible thing for Bethel, and I cannot, I'm so happy that she's going, right? And then we're trying to, you know, do all these different things in our life and get stuff figured out, and I'm just being a putz. And I'm being hard-hearted and difficult to hang out with, and I'm like, I love her. I'm going to totally miss her. And, and then I hear this whisper of, and you can't wait till she's gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of the way that you guys are duking it out. I'm like, no. But, but Lord, I, I, I don't, I'm putting this off. It doesn't matter all my reasons why. It doesn't matter everything underneath it. It's like I need to yank that root up and plant love and peace and patience and trust and hoping and perseverance. Like I have to take an active role. Grace is not opposed to effort. There's another Dallas Willer quote. So let's leave it at that. So Lord, we don't want to just talk about following you. We want to actually follow you. We recognize, Lord, this level of personal bankruptcy about trying to do this in our own strength and trying to do this ourselves, and we just make a mess of it. And then we run away and we cope and we don't talk to you and we don't listen. And, and so what? Because your mercy is new every morning and your grace is sufficient. And you understand the human condition like no one else because you've been us. And beyond that, you're in us. And we, we are your tabernacle. We are your palace, your temple right here on earth, full of Holy Spirit, having the answers to everything, knowing everything because we have the mind of Christ. God, help us understand the goodness and beauty of you and what we really have and shift these concepts and thoughts about you into real action in our real lives. God, that we are full of you and that this whole thing is about your kingdom and about your way and that we can have a complete change of mind and a complete change of what our lives look like. God, that's what we want. We want you. So I just bless my friends. I hope this ends up being encouraging to them. And uh, we just love you, Jesus. Amen.